0: You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. I'm grateful to God this morning for the opportunity to be His mouth speak. And I want to thank Martin and Esther and the team with them for the privilege. You know, to share the word of God with us. I want to bring my greetings to those who are joining us online and to those who are here in person with us. This morning, as we celebrate our diversity, I want to bring a word to us titled Leveraging on Our Unity for Kingdom Advance. I want to see how we can leverage on our unity as a people of God. To advance the kingdom of God on the face of the earth. It was Jesus who said, occupy till I come. The reason why we are alive and we are still here on the earth is for us to occupy. If not the day we got saved, he would have taken us to heaven. But he left us here because he wants us to occupy for him. He wants us to extend the kingdom. He wants us to bring his rule, his reign and his dominion on the face of the earth, that in your place of work as an apostle in the marketplace, you bring the kingdom of God there. And this is what we want to see this morning. As we celebrate our diversity, there is something about our diversity that is so powerful. If we take advantage of that and we take advantage of that, we advance the kingdom of God correctly on the face of the earth. Now, let me get to my message. Let me show us some statistics. To provoke us, to a kind of cause us to, you know, to consider a few things and begin to pray for the continents of the earth, for the nations of the earth. Now, these key statistics I got them from Operation World. They understand. Look at the statistics of the world. The world is made up of population of over eight billion people. You see how big that population is, and. of that lives in the urban area. And we speak 6,900 plus different languages. Do you see how diverse this earth is? Over 6,900 different languages. And 32% of that is considered Christian. People who identify as Christian. And out of that, we have 7.9% who are from the evangelical stock. Now, it is considered that the largest religion in the world is Christianity. But listen to me. If you look at 32.3%, you discover we still have about, you know, 70-something percent that is not yet rich or have not identified themselves as Christian. That means we still have a massive world. This is why we have to occupy for him. Right? Now, and look at another interesting thing about the statistics is that Out of this 8 billion, over 8 billion people, we have over 16,500 different people groups, ethnic nationalities. And today, in CLM, we're made up of about 60, more than 60 different ethnic nationalities. That's what is constituted here in CLM. But in the world, we're talking about over 16,500. What a diverse world. What a diverse world as we see in the Word of God. Please take me to the next slide. Now, if you are considering the region of Africa, the continent of Africa, we have 1.46 billion people living in Africa. 43.9% of that lives in the urban area. And we speak over 2,100 different languages in Africa. In Nigeria, my country... I know we have over 250 different languages. Nigeria alone. You go to my little stadium plateau, we're talking about 50, 50 different languages. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. And we have 48.8 identify as Christians, 17.7 from the evangelical stock. And in Africa, Christianity is said to be the largest religion. Now you go to America. America is a little above a billion in terms of population. At 1.5% of that is in the urban area. And they speak in 993 different languages. It's been spoken in America. Christianity is considered to be the largest. Next slide, please. Now, an interesting statistics there, Asia... Out of the 8 billion, over 8 billion people, in Asia alone, we have over 4.7 billion people. Over half of the population of the world lives in Asia. And one of the things you see there that should provoke you to action is the fact that Christianity is just 8.8%. And out of that percentage, we have 3.5 from the evangelical stock and the region of Asia. Islam is considered the largest religion. So you can see that we have great work to do in Asia. We can put enough of our energy in prayer and all other things to ensure that Asia is maximally reached. Now you go to Europe, where we are today. We are 700, I mean 742 million, over 742 million people. And 75.1% of that, is in the urban areas speaking 269 languages. And Christianity is reckoned to be the largest, you know, religion in what? In Europe. But look at what is happening there. We have 71.3% identifying as Christians, but out of that we just have 2.5% from the evangelical stock. That tells you of what is required to be done here. Do you get that point? Next, let's look at the Pacific. In the Pacific, that's the least continent with a population of over 45 million people. Billion, I mean, 45 million people. 68.3% of that lives in the urban area. Speaking another 1,250 different languages. This world is diverse. This world is hugely diverse. Do you understand? of that statistic identify as Christian, and we have 17.8% from the Evangelical stock. Christianity is reckoned as the largest Christianity. What am I trying to aim with this statistics this morning? It shows us how diverse this world is, the world God created, speaking over 6,900 different languages, with Over 16,500 different people, groups, ethnic nationalities, is a diverse world. But should we allow our diversity to fragment us? That's the question. I want us to see that we are diverse. There is something called unity in diversity. Unity in diversity. We can be diverse. We can be a diverse people, but we can be united people. And when we are united, we can do a lot for the kingdom on the face of the earth. I take us to the first scriptural verse in Psalms 133. Psalms 133. Listen to what the scripture says. It says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I want to take note of that. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard of Aaron that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Haman and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. I want us to unpack this a little this morning. Did you notice? He says, behold, How good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. This scripture is underscoring the importance of unity within brethren. When brethren dwell together in unity, the Bible says it is good and it is pleasant. Is that okay? And listen to what the Bible says. It says, when we dwell together in unity, it lackens that to precious ointment. Poured upon the head. It likens that also to the dew of Haman that falls upon Mount Zion. And it says, there the Lord commands his blessing. Let me say a little. Precious ointment. poured upon the head. You know, it takes the anointing oil to consecrate the priest into his office. It takes the anointing oil to consecrate the king into his office. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 10 and verse 27. It says, and the yoke shall be broken by the reason of the anointing. This is what happens when we dwell together in unity as brethren. The Bible says we make room for the anointing oil. For the anointing, you know, to be present. To break every yoke. To break every limitation. To break every barrier. To destroy everything that is seeking. To fragment us as a people of God. When we dwell together in unity, that's what we make available. We make room for the oil. The anointing oil is a symbol of the Spirit of God. So we create room for the Spirit of God to operate within us. When we dwell together in unity. And it did not stop there. It went forward, further to say, it is like the dew of hemon. Falling upon Mount Zion. If you are familiar with the scriptures, I, Psalms 48 from verse 1 and 2 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountains of his holiness. It's a beautiful false situation. The joy of the whole world is Mount Zion. The northern side of the city of the great king. Mount Zion is reckoned to be the city of the great king. Mount Zion in our day represents the church. And when brethren dwell together in unity, the Bible says it is like the dew of heaven falling upon the house of God. Mount Zion. And you know what the dew does? When the dew falls, it works the earth. The earth gets worse. And when the earth is worse, what happens? It provokes germination. Plants germinate. They begin to grow. Listen to me. When we dwell together in unity, what happens? We enable growth to happen within us. We we enable growth to happen within the house of God. That's what happens when we dwell together in unity. Say, it is like the dew of Haman falling upon Mount Zion. And it went forth to say, look at that phrase said, for there the Lord command the blessing. You know, that's, the way that phrase is rendered looks to me as if the, that scripture is saying there is a location. There is a space. There is a position that is required that if the people of God can achieve, can get to that position, there God bestows his blessings. There is a position in the spirit that if we can get to as brethren, Though diverse. God commands his blessings. He says even life forevermore. No wonder God himself speaking. In Genesis chapter number 11, number 6. He says, if as one people speaking the same language. These people have begun to do this. He says, nothing they plan to do shall be impossible with them. Because there is power, the anointing is present when brethren dwell together in unity. Because we enable, to create an environment where growth is enabled. We create an environment where God commands his blessing. And God says, if as one people speaking the same language These people have begun to do this. This is God saying, nothing shall be impossible with them. Nothing shall constrain them. Nothing shall stop them. Nothing shall resist them. C. L. M. tell us this morning that if we can grow together in unity, despite our diversity, over 60 different nations identified here, if we can grow together in unity, nothing, nothing, shall resist us. Nothing shall stop us. Coventry will be a small place to take over. I mean, Coventry will be a small place. England will be a small place. We will take Europe. This is our season of increase. This is our season of multiplication. This is our season of maturity. If we can only grow together. Listen to what God said. He says, if as one people... Speaking the same language. If this is our season of multiplication and maturity. You know what that means? When we get united and we begin to speak the same thing. We begin to speak in the spiritual realm. This is our season of multiplication. We're speaking the same language. When we begin to speak, this is our season of maturity. We're speaking the same language. And God says, if we do that, nothing shall be impossible. With us, nothing leveraging on our unity to advance the kingdom of God. He wants his kingdom advancing on the face of the earth. Nothing shall be impossible with them. Paul the Apostle, I'm sure he discovered something about unity. There was something he discovered about unity. That was why he wrote to the church in Ephesians chapter number four and verse number three. And he said to them, make every effort. In other words, whatsoever is going to cost you. Whatever is going to cost you. He said, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bone of peace. He must have discovered something about unity. For him to say this to the church, to the brethren in Ephesus. He says, make every effort. CLM, can I challenge us this morning? make every effort i said make every effort let us make every effort to be one to speak the same language to speak the same vision it is the same it happens even in family if as a family you are one you are united the bone of your relationship is there you speak the same language nothing shall be impossible with you because you create an environment where the anointing Comes, you create an environment where growth is enabled. He says, Nothing shall be impossible with them. And so, Jesus, when he began to prepare his disciples, they understand to tell them that I'm not going to be with you for too long. In chapter 14 of John 15 16, he said to them, I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit who is going to be with you a comforter, a counselor to direct you, to guide you. But listen, when he got to chapter 17, Jesus prayed a prayer. In John 17 and verse number 21, listen to the prayer. I pray that they will all be one, unity. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. This is what is happening. Powerful scripture there. This was the prayer of Jesus. It shows us the heart of Jesus. It shows us the mind of Jesus. For the disciples that he was leaving behind. He says, just as I and you are one. This is how I want these disciples to be one. To be united. And listen to what he says. He says, as you are. In me. And I in you. That scripture shows us. Is demonstrating to us. How Jesus and the father. Are intermingled. How Jesus and the father. Are interfused. How they are blended together. How they have come together as one. He says that is how. I want this ones to be one. Because he knows. That when we are one. We enable growth. When we are one. The anointing is present to break every yoke. When we are one, the blessing is commanded in that location. Are we together? So Jesus was praying. He says, let them be one. Just as you and I are one. And Paul addressing the Corinthian church. He said this to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 10. This is what he said. I plead to you. Brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the platform of our unity. That's the platform of our unity. It says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. All of us. Despite our diversity, let us all agree with one another. Let us be one. Let us be speaking the same language. Let us be speaking the same thing. Let us declare our vision. He says, agree with one another in what you say, in what you say. And he says, Let there be no division among you. And the third thing says, be perfectly united in mind and in thought. That's what it begins. That's where it begins. As husband and wife. Are you that united? In your thoughts and in mine. As a church, you know, on the go weekend, it was so beautiful and colorful. We were all in our singlets like my sister is wearing this morning. Loved. So beautiful. All of us, we match to the city. But you know, that thing can end up in what is called uniformity. There is difference between uniformity and Unity. When it comes to uniformity, you have students, I mean children, students going to the same school. wearing the same uniform, attending the same school. In fact, in our days, we represent our schools in debates and in games, and we shout together. They understand, putting on the same uniform, we are uniform. But do you know what happens? If you look deep into that within the school, because that is not unity. You find fightings, quarrels, arguments. In fact, rival groups rising up from within the schools. Why? Because that is uniformity. That is not unity. What we are called to as a church is unity in our diversity. God is not seeking to obliterate our different nationalities. No, that's not what he's doing. He's asking us, he's calling us to the place where we will be united in our diversity. That's the place he's calling us to. And he said, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord, like I said, that's the platform. That's where everything dissolves. And Jesus, do you understand? Jesus, pray that prayer. Let these guys be one as I and you I won. Hallelujah. So I challenge us this morning that despite how diverse we are in this local assembly, we have over 60 different nations. We must seek to be one. We must seek to be speaking the same thing, the same language. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to take us quickly to two very important fundamental truths or teachings of the Bible about diversity. Two fundamental teachings of the Bible on diversity. One, it talks about the unity of the human race. And the second is the universality of the Christian church. Now, the unity of the human race. I have two scriptures to underpin that. The first is Acts chapter number 17 and verse 26. Let me have that. Look at what that scripture says. Acts 17, 26. Talking about the unity of the human race. Say, from one man. Say with me, one man. man. From one man. He made all the nations. The he there is God. So from one man, God made all nations. One man, not two. Are we clear? That they should inhabit the earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history. And the boundary lines... That is the heart of God for us. Do you understand? From one man, he made all nations. All nations on the face of the earth came from one man, not two men. From one man. The second scripture, Genesis 127. And I will make a statement there to move us forward. In Genesis 127, it says, so God created mankind. Not mankind. So God created mankind. Not mankind. From one man, he created all nations. So God created mankind. Listen to me. Racism has never been the idea of God. Racism is a human construct. Racism is, an, is a man's idea. What God created from the beginning is mankind. One human race. We essentially carry the same genetic material. Scientifically, it says we all carry about 20,000 genes, right? The only difference is in the X and Y chromosomes that differentiate between a male and a female. But essentially, we carry the same genetic material. Because God, from one man, created all people. All nations, all flesh. Friends, we may come in different colors. We may come in different shades. We may come from different geographical locations. But we must not allow those things to separate us. We must not allow those things to divide us. We must not allow those fault lines to kill and destroy what is possible with us as a people of God, as a church. We must not allow those things. For in the first place, it was not the idea of God. We should be united as one human race. And I take us to the next teaching truth about diversity, the universality of the church. This is so powerful. The prophet Joel accessed the mind of God in Joel chapter number 2, verse 28 to 29. And he spoke in this line, he said, and afterwards, some version says, in the later days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Did you see it? All people, not some people, on all people. That means on all the over 16,500 different, what? People's groups. I will pour out my spirit. God said. He says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Did you see this worldwide embrace of humanity and diversity in this scripture? Notice, all People, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Talking about our nationalities. Look at it. Sons and daughters talking about male, the gender. He's talking about gender. Did you see old men and young men? Talking about age. Did you see servants there? Talking about class. So God ensured that all the categories Of diversity that is relevant to him. He poured his spirit upon. He poured his spirit upon. And on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2. When the scripture was fulfilled. The Bible says in verse number 5. He says and in Jerusalem on that day. He says. They were God-fearing men from all nations. Share with me, all nations. nations. From all nations under the heavens. They were represented in Jerusalem on that day. It is reckoned in Bible, you know, in Bible cycles, in Christian cycles, that what happened on the day of Pentecost, that was when the church was born. So God ensured that on the day the church was born, as we know today, all Nations were represented. There was not less than 15 different nationalities, people groups that were represented in Jerusalem that day. God was definitely doing something. God was making a statement by pouring his spirit upon all flesh. You know what God was saying? If you know 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22 and Ephesians 1 and verse 14, this is what the Bible says. When God puts his spirit upon his people, he says, the spirit of God is a seal of ownership over his people. So God was making a statement to the effect that I have possessed these ones; I have purchased them. All nations are mine. They are my property. It was a pledge God was putting on humanity to say, all humanity belongs to me. He says, the spirit of God upon us. Is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So when God was doing that on the day of Pentecost, he ensured all nations were represented. I mean, your nation was represented. My nation was represented. My tribe was represented. You were represented. Because God was bringing all humanity together. He was doing something on the face of the earth. What was he doing? He was building a church, a universal church. You know why? Because it takes the church to show forth his manifold wisdom on the face of the earth. Ephesians chapter number 3 and verse 10. God is building a universal church. God is building a church of all nations. He's not building a church of one nation. His church of all nations is a universal church. And look at what this Bible says. It says God's purpose in all these was to use the church. To display his wisdom in his rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan. Did you see that? This was the eternal plan of God. God had a plan from the beginning. This is why he's building a universal church. An all nation church. That will carry the power of God. Will carry the grace of God. Will carry the oil of God. Into the world, into our places of work. Listen to me. This work in advancing the kingdom is not for Martin and Esther and the church leaders with them. It is for you, it is for me. In that place of work, did you see class there? You may be a professional. In that university you are teaching, in that hospital you are working, you are a professional, you are a kingdom apostle. That God wants to use to extend his kingdom. To bring his kingdom on the face of the earth. And he says, God's purpose in all this, his intent, is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to principalities and powers. Listen to me. No one person can fight this battle. This is why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter number 6, please give me Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, he made a statement that many times, verse number 12. In Ephesians chapter 6, look at that word there. We have not, mostly we have, you know, we have not considered that little word, we. He said, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood. The Apostle Paul did not say, for I am not. He says, we. Why we is a collective thing. And the we is referring to the church. Because it is through the church that his manifold wisdom might be made known, will be made known to principalities and powers. It is through the church. This is why when the church calls for prayer, like we did on Friday, we must make every effort. I said, Say with me, make every effort. Say with me, make every effort. We must make every effort to attend because there is something that happens in that corporate environment. There is something that happens there. The yokes are broken. The barriers are broken. The limitations are lifted. There is something that happens in that corporate environment. It is through the church. It is we fight, not an I fight. It is a we fight. When we come together corporately, something happens. We fight against flesh. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You cannot fight that alone. Of course, while I understand the need of us, they understand each one of us to build a private, intimate, what? Life with God. The place of an intimate relationship with God. But listen to me. There is something called the we fight. This is why Hebrews 10, 25, will talk about. Do not neglect the fellowship with one another, because something happens when we come together. When we come together in all our diversities, we can conquer. We can pull the walls. We can lift up the limitations. Something happens in that environment, and God is building His church. First Peter chapter number 2, as I begin to round out. First Peter chapter number 2. Jesus is building his church. In First Peter chapter number 2, verse 4, look at what he says. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to him, say, you also. You understand? You also, like living stones, are have been built into a spiritual house. What God is building on the face of the earth is a spiritual house of all nations. It's a universal church that is diverse. That is accommodating every ethnic nationality. Every nationality. He says, God is building a, what, a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's not what I'm dealing with today. But I'll just make mention of something. Did you see that? He says he's building a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. A family of priests. Are you getting that? Offering what? Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. It means there are sacrifices that are not acceptable. Friends, there is something called the consecration of the priest. It is not for Esther and Martins alone to consecrate themselves as priests. It is for every child of God to consecrate, to understand the place of the consecration of the priest because you have been called to be a kingdom of kings and priests unto our God. So you are a priest. So you must understand what is called the consecration of the priest. The gold standard is for every one of us. That is what will make our world our spiritual sacrifice is acceptable to God. If you understand this, you connect it to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 10, where Paul began to talk and say, some will escape through the fire because every sacrifice they made was burned. You will escape, but as one escaping through the flames. It's because you do not understand. In fact, when the scripture started, it talks about Christ, the capstone, the reference stone. Are you getting me? It means we all as living stone, we're getting our alignment from Christ. If you are building a life that is off tangent to Christ, that is not aligned to Christ, to the reference stone, the sacrifices you're offering will not be acceptable. So we must understand the place of alignment. We must understand the place of alignment with Christ. We must align as we build. Consecration is required for all of us. This is not legality, this is truth. This is not legality, this is truth. We must understand the place of the consecration of the priest. And he says he's building a spiritual house to be a holy priest with a family of priests. People, men from all nations, who will offer spiritual sacrifices to God that are acceptable in Christ. I want us to stand up. We're going to read one scripture and I'll be off from this place. It's 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 12. Look, look at what that scripture says. First Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 13. Look at what it says. It says the human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Some are slaves. And some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. That seal of ownership. Deposit guarantee in our inheritance. We all share one spirit. I want you to lift up your voice to heaven. If you can pray in your language, this is a great time to do it. If you can sing in your language, this is a time to do it. If you can prophesy in your language, this is a time to do it. Open your mouth and speak to God. Open your mouth and declare the wonders of God. On that day... In Acts chapter number 2, when all nations were gathered under the heavens, the Bible says, over these 15 nations that were there, they had these Galileans who were in the upper room, speaking the wonders of God in their own languages. What God was doing there was simply showing us that I am putting aside all your differences and bringing all your diversity together this is a season, this is a time open your mouth and talk to God open your mouth and talk to God, declare the wonders of God in your language declare the wonders of God we have seen the statistics you can carry a burden and begin to push through, you can begin to push through for your region, for your continent, we saw the statistics we saw what it represents we can begin to push through we can begin to push through push through Push through. Stand as a representative of your ethnic nationality and call them to Christ. Call them to Christ. Call them to Christ. Begin to declare the reign, the rule, and the dominion of Christ in your nation. Begin to declare. Begin to declare. We thank you, Jesus. We exalt you, we magnify you. We give you praise, Jesus, Candaabo Segea, Lebrato Se Tarabaya, Mangrato Santotoria, Lebracata, Saqueientla, Megeriatoro, Santa Labredia, Mangratalia, begin to push the boundaries. Begin to push the boundaries. When brethren dwell together in unity, the anointing is present. The anointing is present to break the yoke. Begin to push through. Begin to push through the boundaries. We give you praise Jesus. We magnify you.